0: All right, this morning, let's just pray and prepare our hearts for the Word. Uh, If you have your Bible today, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. Uh, We're talking this morning, continuing our series about the journey, and we are paralleling our Christian journey to our promised land, not only Uh, being filled with spirit in this life but into the next into heaven with the uh, journey of the Israelites uh, and their journey to their promised land and uh, we are on our fifth one here and this morning we're going to talk about our title today is when you wonder if God is real when you wonder if God is real let's pray first father we love you God, I thank you for your sweet spirit in this place today. I thank you for these brothers and sisters in Christ that are here this morning, uh, those that are listening online. Lord, I pray and I thank you, God, that you, you love us so very much. God, that You have a good plan for us, God, and Your ways are are better are higher than our ways, God. And when we were focused on ourselves, God, and when we were still sinners, You loved us enough to yet bring us out of the bondage of sin and to set our feet upon the rock, God, and to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray today, God, that our ears be open. Lord, if there are those that are going through hopeless situations today, God, if they're going through trials and circumstances that seem beyond their control or beyond their ability to even survive them, God, I pray that you would fill them with the fullness of the Spirit today. God, I am praying, Lord, at the end of this service, uh, Lord, when you're you're done saying what you want to say today, God, that your Spirit will just move upon lives today, God, before we leave this place. Uh, And if you're going to agree with me today, somebody say amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. I am excited for today and uh, I am, I'm, I'm ready to get into this. But, uh, hey, have you uh, ever had those times in your life when, you know, it's not, if it's not one thing, it's another? You know, we, we say that phrase a lot. If it's not one thing, uh, it's another. Or those times when you feel like, uh, you know, you can't catch a break uh, and you just look up and say, OK, God, you're going to have to help me out here. Or, God, just please give me a break. Uh, you just throw your hands up, you know, uh, or, you know, it's those moments where you fix the car and then the house AC breaks and then your kid gets sick or in trouble at school and then you find out that you didn't pay that bill on time and then all of a sudden, you know, you got jury duty. It's just one of those weeks. Anybody ever had a week like that before? Okay. All right. Everybody's human in here. Good. Uh, you know, sometimes on this journey of life, I think we, you know, we, we think we're doing everything right. You think, God, I love you. I'm trying to be a good Christian person here. I'm living a good Christian life. But you feel like, maybe you heard that today, you feel like you're stuck between two deserts uh, on the way to nowhere. And then when you've cried out for God uh, for a break, that He sits you beside a well and there's no water in it. It's like, Lord, uh, going back is no good, or moving forward is no good, and I'm miserable. Uh, right here at this situation. God, I don't don't want to go back to where I was. I I understand that, God. But I'm not anywhere where I think I should be. And Lord, right now, this just, let's just be honest, stinks. Uh, And you're just like, okay, God, you have to do something right now. Anybody ever been there before? Okay, all right, we're honest, all right? And what do you do uh, when the theme song for your life is not, it is well with my soul or he's all I need, but your theme song becomes... That old rock song, "I Can't Get No Satisfaction," right? And you tried and you tried, right? We don't, we don't, we're not singing the Amazing Grace in those moments. But you know, in those seasons, I think uh, we begin to wonder if we're not careful, does God really care? Is He here? Does He really love me? Is He really all good and loving? Is He really all powerful? Or even, is He actually real? Is He actually real? We're going to talk this morning that, you know, in some of life's difficulties, uh, some of these demands we begin to put on God are actually doubts. And the Bible says that they put God to the test. But He is such a good and gracious God that if we continue to trust and obey Him, Christ the Rock, He will lead us to full satisfaction by the fountain of His Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, look with me in Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. Okay, here we are. Let's recap a little bit. Moses, let my people go, goes to Egypt, tells Pharaoh, you know, the, we, we sing the song in kids' church, let my people go, and then they, they leave. God, by ten miraculous, mighty plagues, uh, demonstrates himself as mighty warrior and great physician, and he leads out Israel in a way and reveals himself in a way uh, he even says, out of Egypt, I called my son. He calls them his son, and he's the father. And he is personally invested in a, in a new way in his people. And uh, he's never before revealed himself in such a powerful and awesome way. And he takes them out, and he uh, releases them from the slavery of sin, or of, of chains, that of, uh, we would say sin for us. He releases them from the bondage of slavery, passes them through the Red Sea by the power of His Holy Spirit, uh, is guiding them uh, by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day, and He has led them to different places along the way. And we're just a few stops into this journey in this pre-wilderness. And He's leading them to Mount Sinai before He leads them to the promised land. If you remember a few weeks back, God said, I was leading them not through the land of the Philistines because I knew they couldn't take it, so I led them around the Philistines because I see the big picture. And I'm going through a few desert places, but along the way they went to Mara, uh, springs of bitter water, and God made it sweet. And he led them to Elim, where there was uh, date palms and 12 wells for every tribe. And then now he's given them manna and quail. Uh, quail one time, Mana's happened every day now. They're probably like a month or so into their journey. Uh, and now they come to a new place. And so that's where we are today. Uh, And so let me read Exodus chapter 17, verse 1 through 7. I'm reading in the New American Standard, and it says this: Then all of the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages, so they let out little by little, from the wilderness of Sin, uh, which is Sinai, the wilderness of Sinai, according to the command of the Lord, and they camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. And therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? A little bit more, and they'll stone me. And then the Lord said to Moses, "'Pass before the people, and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand your staff, which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I'll stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, which is also called Sinai. And you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink.' And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he named the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel." And because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? We're going to talk this morning about our difficulties and God's tests a little bit here first. Our difficulties. Have you ever disagreed with where God has led you to be? You know, I tell you, when God said move to Gina, Louisiana, I was like, What? you?" You know, and I love it here now. But you never know what God's got going on. You're like, What are you doing? You ever just ask God, what in the world are you doing? Why did this happen? Why is this person in my life? Or why did I got to pay that? Or why, God, have I gotten to where I am now? Uh, and as Christians, I think we can sometimes incorrectly think that because we're following God, that we won't have any problems. Now, we won't come out and say that we believe that, but somehow or another, unconsciously, we think, God, I deserve better than this, Right? I mean, don't we kind of think that sometimes that maybe we're not supposed to have these types of problems or these types of pains and that God said he's going to bless me and he's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches. And and we begin to quote these verses and then in the middle of our pains and struggles begin to kind of kind of put it on God like, God, hey, I'm just going to tell you what you told me, by the way, you know, like, did you read the Bible you wrote, God Uh, right here? You said I would be blessed. I'm not feeling very blessed right now. Don't we do that sometimes? Like, God, I'm going to read this like 8,000 times until I get it because that's where the faith is, right? And and then this should happen if I read this 8,000 times, right? And we begin to quote this and just claim this verse, brother, or claim this verse, sister, put it on the sign on the doorpost above your house. We begin to do this and say, God, what's going on? And in our difficulties and our pains, we begin to do this. And You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 9, that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And what happens here is in this difficulty, Israel begins to tell God their need. All right. Israel makes it to Rephidim and it's the last stop before Sinai. That's very important here this morning. You have to follow me because this is going to really be awesome if you follow me. They are at the last stop before Sinai, before God is going to give them the Ten Commandments. And it's on this mountain range of this Sinai mountain range. And God is about to give His Word before they enter into the Promised Land. But they've stopped at a place with no water just before getting the Word of God, okay? And so they've got these needs. And and sometimes uh, we have these needs and we begin to focus more so on our perspective. It's kind of like this. Our perspective in the Israelites is very common or the same sometimes. We think things like, God promised me deliverance and blessing. But you know what? Then I had to leave my home. Then we were attacked. Then we walked all night long. Then we had to drink bitter water. Then I went hungry. And I only had quail that one time. In a month, I've only had quail once. Uh, and then now we're in the middle of nowhere, God, and I don't see any milk and honey. And that's what you told me. When I left all this stuff in Egypt, packed up everything, said, I just go right where you wanted me to go. And look, there's not even enough water to get to the promised land. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Don't we do that? God, here's, here's, here's my perspective on the situation. God. Let me just tell you for a minute, God, what my perspective is on what my life is like right now. Let me just let you in on a little something. And what happens is, and in our needs, in our perspective, in this difficulty, we actually begin to demand things from God, just like Israel. We begin to complain and argue. And look at verse 2 and 3. Verse 2 and 3 it says, "...they grumbled against Moses, and they questioned, Why have you led us here? God, you told me where we were going, why did you lead me here? God, you told me what my calling for my life was, but God, why did you lead me here?" Uh, and they begin to demand, though, that Moses give them water. I find it ironic. They knew God had led them out of Egypt, but they blamed Moses. Now, don't get any ideas here about your pastor, okay? If you've got problems, you take it up with God, all right? Uh, but in a, it's like they didn't want to just come out and say it to God. So they said, Moses, what did you lead us out here for? And, and by the way, we need some water, so you go get us some water. Instead of saying, Moses, would you cry out to the Lord, our provider, who's provided time and time again for us? Would you intercede on behalf that He would graciously give us water? No, they said, Moses, we want water right now. This is not what we signed up for. This is not going to get us there. This is our perspective. And I need this, right? This is my need. God, this is my need right now. God, I need peace. I need pain-free life. God, I need more finances. God, here's my list of demands for my life to be better. Here it is. It's like a Christmas list, right? Uh, And I've been good this year, God. You can look back and see, okay? Uh, I didn't tell that person off at work yesterday. So here's this, right? And we begin to kind of get this argument relationship with god we begin to demand things and so some of us may not be so bold to come out and blame god but like israel sometimes we deflect our frustration on our church i'm not being fed life's not working out church isn't working i quit pastor i took his advice in counseling still didn't work out she still divorced me he still left me or or my finances didn't get blessed my kids are still crazy whatever uh I, it's not working it didn't work and then they quit but really, what Israel is saying, or God is saying right here, is that by doing that to Moses, they were actually questioning God. They were actually testing God in His trial. Uh, like Israel, it's these demands actually begin to show doubts uh, in our life, and these complaints about life—you know, even our complaints about life to others—show whether or not we have faith in God. We don't have to say it in our prayer time. I say, hey, Brent, man, right now, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Life's just really, really bad right now. I've never been this place before in my life. You know, I just don't see any way up. Uh, Who am I questioning? What am I doubting? What am I demanding? We begin to kind of share those things, but it actually is beginning to show a lack of faith in God. How we talk about our problems to others reveals, do I doubt God's goodness as a father? Do I uh, doubt that His has the ability to provide? And do I doubt His ability to have a plan, a good plan for my life? Instead of saying, you know what, brother? Man, it's rough right now. I'm not denying that. But you know what? i got a good God. You know what? It's rough right now. It hurts in my body right now. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But you know what? God's got me. He's got me every single time thus far. He's going to get me every time again. Right? And so God looks at them and he says, you're, you're demanding things, but it's actually showing me that you're doubting me because you're, dem- you're talking to Moses about what I'm doing. You're talking to brother or sister so-and-so that I haven't done this in your life, so what are you doing? You're doubting me. And so it says, look at this, it says uh, in verse 7, you know, Israel's not unbelievers, but in their demands, it says that they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? You know, they really didn't say that. They really didn't say, is God among us or not? They actually said it by demanding things from Moses. By not trusting in whether God was good enough to provide, whether He was powerful enough to provide. And sometimes, do we not also put God to the test by saying, I'm just talking to my family here. I'm just talking and just me and my wife here. And we don't have that faith talk. That even though we know the situation is bad and it's not good and we know we're thirsty, we know we're between two deserts, we know, but you know what? God has got us. You know what? God's always providing. Do you know that God led us out of the slavery and bondages of sin? We passed through the waters by the power of the Holy Spirit. We were baptized into the Spirit of God and He put the enemy aside. He slandered all accusation of the enemy. He silenced the accuser. He nailed the law to the cross and He said, He's coming back to give me a promise everlasting that no moth or rust or thief can steal. And that's the kind of God I have, honey. That's who we serve right now. I know we can't pay the bills this month, but we have a God that is writing our names up in glory, who's got streets of gold and pearly gates, who's got my name secured in the vault of heaven. Is that, is that the kind of faith? Or do I say, you know what? I just don't know. I don't feel like going to church today. It's just getting bad in our life, and I don't... It's painful, I know. And, you know. and then we call up so-and-so to tell them how bad our life is, too. And we get to hear their, how bad their life is. And we kind of say, well, you know, mine's pretty bad, too. You know, and I'm, I'm going to give you one up on that. You know, it, My car broke down yesterday. What about you? Well, you know, my cat died yesterday. And we just begin to do this. And it begins to say, God's saying, they're testing me. Do you think I'm real? Do you think I'm powerful? And so he named the place Meribah. And the place Maribel means quarrel or complaint or striving. He renamed the place they were at. I don't want God to rename a marker in my life what could have been a faith moment, what could have been a testimony of faithfulness for God where I said, God, I know you got me. But he says, you know, that was a marker in your life where you missed it. He renamed the place quarrel or strife. You know, our unbelief challenges God to meet our needs. Unbelief puts God to the test. We say, God, do this and I'll do this. God, if you're real. God, if you love me, you'll do this. God, if you are real, you'll do this. Are we doubting this morning by demanding? Are we doubting God by demanding things from Him? I'll give you this. Psalms 95 was written for this chapter of the Bible right here. Psalms 95 verse 6 says this, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen my work. If you want to enter God's rest, you've got to pass His test. Come, let us worship in those seasons. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord who's our maker, my shepherd, the one who's led me through the dry and uh, barren land so far, the one who has delivered me from the bondage of slavery and sin and shut the devil's mouth up. Let's go before that God today, honey, friend, brother, sister. Come on. That's the verses challenge, but you've got to enter. Sorry, you've got to uh, pass the test to enter into His rest. Now, what is God's test? Let's talk about that for a moment. So, we've got our difficulties, and we've got our perspectives, and our demands, and our doubts, all in that. And then we have God's tests now. And so, God's tests. He said in Deuteronomy chapter sixteen that you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested Him at Massah. Then he says in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 8, that it was God who put Israel to the test at Massah and struggled with them at the waters of Meribah. So in a sense, they thought they were putting God on trial and saying, all right, God, if you do this, then we'll do this, God. And if you said this, God, so this isn't what it's working out, so I'm giving you all this back. But God says, you know, you think you're putting me on trial? You think you're putting me to the test? I was actually testing you. I actually had a purpose for sending you to that dry barren land in the middle of the desert between two places to nowhere. I had a purpose for that trial or that difficulty in your life. And and he says that he named the place also Massa, and that place means testing or trial. So it's Meribah and Massa says quarrel and trial. Do we quarrel at the trials and the tests that God has sent to us? Do we struggle with God as purposely led us to, because when we had our perspective about, you know what, this is a long road to nowhere, and God, I only had the quail once, and the manna's getting old now, and we had to walk all day long. Here's God's perspective. Let me just put it in another way. Israel only saw the difficulty. God saw the destination. That's good right there. Sometimes we only see the difficulty. God sees the destination, and in their difficulty, they forgot about God's mighty hand in Egypt. They forgot him part in the Red Sea, they forgot about the cloud by day and the fire by night, they forgot about him making bitter waters sweet and the miracle of quail and the daily manna, and they did not know this was the last stop before getting to Sinai. They did not know that this was the last stop before receiving their unique identity and his ability to make them or take them to the promised land. They did not realize one more victory, one more battle, and we got this. One more destination on the journey. And then God's going to say, this is what I'm speaking over you. This is what I'm going to give to you to take into the promised land. And Israel did not see the big picture. Now, let's think about that today. You don't know the big picture. We don't see what God has in store and why you are where you are today why you're going through what you're going through today. But God knew that Israel, just one more place, if you just trust me this one more time, I'm about to do something awesome in your life. If you just listen to me. In all these perspectives, our difficulties often show this lack of depth for our faith in God that His ability to provide for the future. In those times, we don't always give God enough credit for saving our eternal soul. You know what I mean? If He can bring me out of Egypt... If he can save me from the pit of hell, he can bless me financially. If he can save my eternal soul and heal me from the disease of sin, he can heal me from cancer, right? If he can provide for me mansions in glory, he can provide for me a house in Gina, Louisiana, right? And so we forget this perspective and we say, God, this is like the third time this week, God, please, just give me a break. God, this is like the third time. Can't you just bless me? But yet God is up in heaven saying things like this. Will you obey me no matter the cost? Will you obey me no matter where I lead you? Do you trust me that I'm God, that I'm good? Because he says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Those are the thoughts I think towards you. That's what God is saying. If you just trust me, don't you know I'm good? Don't you know that I want what's best for your life? Don't you know that I'm going to get you through this wilderness of life? Don't you know that I can come against any enemy that attacks you? Don't, I? don't you know that I can bless you beyond measure? And so if I've got you here, you've got to know that it's got to be for a reason, right? It's got to be for a purpose or a plan, something I'm trying to do in you, something I'm trying to get for my glory. And so, do you trust me? And I say this today, what if your difficulty right now in life is the last stop before entering into God's destiny? What if the difficulty right now is the last stop before entering into God's destiny for your life? What if what you're doing right now, the trial you have right now in your life, is He's like, if you just get through this with me, I'm about to open up the floodgates of heaven over you. If you just trust me one more time, Miss Georgia, if you just let it go and let God, you don't have a clue what the next step is, what the next stop is. And what if this problem in your life determines if you're ready to walk in His promise? What if this problem determines if you're ready to walk in God's promise? He told them in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 17, if you would diligently keep my word, if you would just diligently keep my word, if we diligently keep the word of God and our difficulties, we'll pass the test. You know, anybody can follow God when it's easy. Right? Anybody can follow God when it's easy. But when you don't feel blessed... You don't feel blessable. You don't even know if God's with you or for you. You don't feel His presence. You don't know. That's the test. Can you follow God through the wilderness? Can you trust God when you feel like you're halfway to nowhere and you feel like the blessing of God is being withheld from you and you don't know the destination ahead and you just say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. God, I'm gonna kn- I know that this problem is just a test for your promise. God, I know that this difficulty is just the determination for the destiny ahead. And we can look at that and say it's those that follow Him and carry their cross that reign with Him. Now, I'll give you this in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It says, take care, brethren, that there not be any among you who, with an evil and unbelieving heart that follows away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For you and I have become partakers of Christ. So hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Hold fast what he did for you in Egypt. Until the very end, and while it is still said today, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. It's talking about Masa and Meribah. Don't fall away. Hold fast the assurance you had when you, He saved your eternal soul and you knew that, man, God's got me. When they came out of Egypt, they said, yes, God, we've got the victory. Hold fast that same assurance that you had a testimony that God said, I've got you. God, I believe in you. I saw God meet me at that altar that morning. I saw God fill me with a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I remember when God did that in my life and that in my life. And I'm holding fast that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody say amen. amen. So we get through our doubts and demands and perspective. We realize, God, you've got to test. This is a test. This is a test in my life. I'm, I'm going to make it through the wilderness. And so, but here's the thing how do you know? In those difficult seasons, what do you do when you can't see God? You're reading your Bibles, offering no direction. You're still there at the dry well, and the prayer is not giving you any answer, and you don't know how to trust in Him. I'm going to tell you this. Most, let's look at this again. Moses does something awesome, and God tells him to do something. And simply this, when you don't know which way to go, and you are living in a culture and a place of faithlessness, you've got to find men and women of faithfulness. When you're living in a culture and a place of faithlessness, you've got to find men and women of faithfulness. What happens? God tells Moses, "Hey, get some of the elders and take your staff and go out, and I'm going to show you something again." And so He tells them, uh, "Moses, take your staff. What was that staff?" That's the same staff that turned into uh, a snake and ate the other snakes. That's the same staff that was a shepherd's staff, but then became an instrument of God. And it's the same staff that God, uh, Moses used to part the Nile. And so he tells Moses, Moses, take your testimony. Take the thing that I've done and transformed you and your life, your testimony, Moses. Take it with you. How many people got a testimony? Amen. You've got something that God has used you in. God's done things in your life. You've seen God come time and again through. So Moses, take your testimony. Take that instrument that I've used and transformed your whole life. Take that so they know God's in the midst. Now pick some of the elders. So Moses goes, he picks some of the elders, not all of them. Likely he begins to pick the men and women of faith who when they see a miracle of God can now go back into the camp and spread that word of faith. And they leave this camp of carnality, this place where there's no faith, there's grumbling and strife, and they go outside the camp to Sinai, Horeb, the mountain of God, the place where God's Spirit was waiting for them to get to. Now there's a message just in that alone, that when you and I are in a place of faithlessness and we can't see God, what are you doing? You and I need to be discipled by men and women of faithfulness who've got a testimony in their hand, who can say, come with me outside the camp of this culture of faithlessness and carnality, they're only thinking about the flesh, and you and I, let's get along with God. Let's leave this world's sin and thoughts, and let's go out there. I can just imagine, what if you and I were a little boy or a little girl just following them as they left all the grumbling and complaining and began to walk out outside the camp to the place where God's Spirit was about to show them something? I think today you and I, and we live in this world of sin and doubt and strife and complaint and faithlessness, even in the church, and there has got to be men and women in your life uh, that are going to say, come on, let's get on our knees and pray. Come on, let's go get into the Word of God. Let's press in for revival. Let's believe God that He said His Word is true, and we're leaving this uh, bunch of naysayers, a bunch of people who don't care about revival, a bunch of people who don't read their Word and pray, and they're not believing God that He's come over time and a time and again, He's blessed them. We're going to get outside the camp. We're going to get along with God. If it wasn't for people in my life when I was in college, I was a good church kid went to college, had my own plans and dreams for my life, but it was men of God that God put into my life who said, hey, come over to my house. Let's, let's go get some coffee or, you know, let's go get lunch. And these pastors, several of them, over the course of 10 years, began to pour into me. And, then, and even just church staff members, staff members in the ministry, began to say, hey, let's go eat. Let's go. And they began to speak things in my life and just begin to challenge me to pray every day. How's, how's your Bible reading this week? How's your prayer life this week? How's the sin issues in your life this week? You know, God's got something for you. I see something in you. And God, they just begin to prophesy over me, begin to speak words of life into my life, begin to challenge me. Hey, why don't you get involved? Why don't you join the leadership? Why don't you help me teach a small group? Why don't they begin to push me into something? That's discipleship. Today, that is so lacking in the church. And you and I need to get out of this culture of faithlessness and say, God, if I don't know where I'm at, maybe you're going through a rough time, I need to find an elder of the church. I need to find a man or woman of God who's got a testimony of faith who can I can say, hey, can you take me outside the camp with you? I see you're on your knees in prayer. Where are those elders of the church, those men and women of God who are laboring in prayer for other people, who are in your life who's got a, a rod in their hand and say, you know what, God called me, God uh, blessed me, God's delivered me, God saved me, and follow them into a closer walk with God. We need those men and women of faith outside the camp to go where God seems real again. Maybe you're here today and God don't seem very real. Find a man or woman of faith who will lead you into the presence of God. Amen. we got plenty here at Sanctuary. Yeah. Plenty here at Sanctuary. And then it goes on. There's the God, there's the, the measure of faith there where they have to go outside the camp to get along with God, leave the culture of faithlessness. So maybe you've got to turn off the phone, maybe you gotta turn off Facebook, maybe you need to turn off the things of this world, the news, and you just need to get alone with God. Yes. That's what you need to do in that season of your life. I'm halfway to nowhere, the wells run dry, God, I'm just complaining and doubting and demanding, shutting it all off. I'm leaving the culture of this carnality, of this faithlessness, of this flesh, and God, I'm getting out there to the mountain where you are. Amen? Amen. You with me today? he goes into God's mountain and God's fountain. Moses leads them to the mountain of God, the place of Sinai, the edge of just not the whole thing, just the very first rock of Sinai, right? Not even into where God's going to do it, but just right at the edge of it. And it says that Jesus met them there. God personally met them there. How do you know? How many know if you get along with God, God said, I'm going to personally meet you. Amen? You're willing to come out of that stuff? God will personally meet you. Amen? You're here this morning? All right. Sometimes in God's difficulties, you know, we lash out at Him and uh, something happens we're not used to and we question God, are you even good? Are you even still with me? Here's the awesome part. God in His grace was willing to still meet them where they were. They were still complaining. They were still nagging. They were still doubting in their difficulty. And God said, I'll show up once again in their life. They go outside the camp. God shows up on a mountain. What happens? Moses strikes the rock with a stick, and water begins to flow out. And the elders take that testimony back to say, "This is how it happened." They didn't. See, the rest of the camp didn't see it happen. They had to take it back with them. And they met him at the rock. You know, the Bible says that that rock in one Corinthians chapter ten, verse four was Jesus Christ. They met Him at the rock. And that source, He was the source of their provision. And you know what? The Bible also says that Jesus Himself had to go outside the camp of Jerusalem. He had to go outside the city gates to where He was crucified. He left that place and went out. And and so the author of Hebrews challenges you and I today. He says, so let us go out to Him outside the camp bearing His reproach. You and I have got to meet Jesus at the cross. You want to get blessed by God? You want to have God's favor in your life? You want to go from the season of life you're in to the season of promise you're in? You've got to find Him at the cross. That's the mountain called Calvary where Jesus Himself got outside the camp of sin and said, God, here I am. I'm a sacrifice for you. And we come to this place, and it's a mountain of God's grace and his mercy. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, even goes says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we'll receive his mercy, and you'll find grace to help you when you need it most. Are you here today and you feel like, Pastor Eve, I need God to help me, and I need him a lot. I need him to help me. And it's saying right here go outside the camp. Find Christ at the cross and you will find grace to help you when you need it most. God may have already saved you from sin, but sometimes when you've got to go back to the cross, remember that God's grace still provides all my needs in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to rebuild my faith by his testimony. I want to get to the word of God, the rock, and I want him to make a personal revelation of himself again and again as I get along with him. See, they'd seen God do the water. They'd seen God do the manna. They'd seen God do the bittersweet water and all that stuff. They still needed to get alone with Him again. You know what? A one-time experience with God sometimes isn't enough. We in our faithlessness and the sin have got to continue to find Him at the cross. To continue to say, God, I'm getting alone with you. God, I'm getting my word Jesus, I know you're meeting me right now. God, I'm faith. I'm pushing all the things of this world aside. I'm turning Facebook off. I'm turning the world's ideologies and the world's belief and all this culture of sin and lies. And I'm saying, God, right here. This is a simple answer, church. It's like, where's the 10-step program? Where's 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 the quick fix? No. You just have to get alone with Jesus when you have a need. That's good enough. Amen? We believe that today. Follow him outside the camp to the cross. And the last thing is there's God's mountain, which is the cross of Calvary. Then they go to the fountain. Moses strikes the rock. Rivers of living water begin to flow, streams out of it. You know, Jesus said that he was the rock, but also in John 14, or chapter 4, verse 14, that whoever drinks the water that I'll give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Christ said, The Spirit's going to flow out of me. You know what? Moses struck the rock, and the Bible says Christ too was struck. He was beaten and broken and bruised for us. Jesus Christ was struck, and the Spirit flowed through and flew out into the church, filled the whole upper room, baptized him in the Holy Spirit, and went from there. You know, in this season of difficulty in your life, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to get out of the place that you're in. It's very, very simple. Follow the testimony of faith outside the camp. Get along with God at the rock called Calvary and allow the Holy Spirit just to be poured out in your life. We want it to be complicated. We want it to be this, God, here's the steps. God, here's all this. But you know what? It's simply this. Just get along with God. He is the source of all that you need. That Spirit of God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit produces fruitfulness in us. He gives us love and joy and peace and patience in those difficult seasons and trials, all that stuff that you think, I really need the finances, I really need the healing, I really need this, this, and this. He says, you know what? You'll be totally satisfied if you just drink of the spiritual water that I'm trying to get you through. They didn't just end up in the promise that day. They had to go back to the camp. The well was still dry, but it was the flow from the mountain they begin to trickle all the way through that desert to that spot where they were. And if I trust that, God, I'm going outside the camp with my testimony in hand, and I'm taking my testimony of faith, and, God, I'm getting before the rock, and I'm bowing down before the rock, and the Holy Spirit begins to flow, even if I've got to go back on Monday to my situation over here, I begin to know that water is coming. Look at it. It's beginning to flow through the wilderness. And I just begin to raise my hand and say, God, I know. I knew you were going to get me there, God. I knew this was what I was going through. And I know I see that there's the promises just ahead. God, this is just a difficulty. But God, I know You've got the destination. God, this is just a problem. But God, You've still got my promise. How many people are saying, God, I'm willing to go outside the camp. God, I'm willing to go down to the cross, the rock of Calvary. God, I'm willing to be filled to the full of the Holy Spirit. Because I know that that's the only thing that's going to satisfy my real need. Amen? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads today? Worship team, would you come? So simple, church. So very simple. You're here today and you've got something going on in your life. A mountain of a problem. But God's got a mountain of grace. You think you're drowning in an ocean and a sea of problems, but God's got a fountain of living water, the Holy Spirit. You feel like this desert is so dry, you don't know how you're going to get from point A to point B, but you know that this is just a a, a trial, a test in your life. And if you would just but trust in God just to continue to go outside the camp with the testimony He's already given you, what He's already done in your life, and say, God, I'm just getting along with you. God, if, if, if I don't know how to get outside the camp, God, I'm going to find a man or woman of God who's going to lead me into the presence of God, who's going to disciple me, who's going to pray with me, who's going to walk with me. And God, I'm going to go get along. I'm turning off everything in this life, every distraction. And God, I just want to be filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. I need that love, that joy, that peace. I need that boldness, that power, that faith in my life today. And I don't care about anything else. This is all it says. If you, if you don't want it, if you don't believe that that's what you need, by all means, stay where you are. You're welcome to stay in that circumstance and begin continue to doubt in God and continue to stay in your problems. But if you say, God... I recognize this is a test in my life. I'm going to worship God. I recognize this is a trial in the wilderness, but there's a promised land coming. God. And along the way, you've promised God, and you said you'd by your grace, you'd give me new life, full life, a satisfied life, even in the midst of a desert, you'd provide all my needs. What I really need. Hallelujah, Lord. God. Holy Spirit, come in this place today. Lord, we just welcome your Spirit, Lord, in this place. Have your way in the next few moments. God, we... Lord, we're not in a hurry. God, we're not thinking about other things. But right now, Holy Spirit, Lord, I want you to do what you you do best. Lord, I've said what you want me to say. But God, Holy Spirit, we just give the rest completely this moment right now. Every heart, every head. bowed. We just give it to you. Come and speak, oh God. Touch every heart in life, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just begin to press in church if you know how to pray let's just begin to pray let's just begin to ask the lord to move in this place let's just begin to ask god let's just begin to go outside the camp right now let's just begin to push everything aside and get along with god allow the holy spirit to begin to move in this place holy spirit come hallelujah lord jesus lord we love you we praise you we trust in you god you're a good god You love to give those good gifts, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask. Lord, You love to bless Your children. We trust in You. You're a good Father. You're powerful to provide. You're able, O God. We worship You. God, we praise You. There is none like You, O God. Thank You for saving us out of the bondage of sin. Thank You for leading us into the place of the promise. God, thank You for filling us with the Holy Spirit, God. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for Calvary. Thank You for the blessed hope. Lord, every day in Jesus is a good day. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. You're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I really have not been trusting God with all my life. And if I was to die today, I feel I'd be alone in the wilderness and I don't know that God would be with me and I would not want to die today and enter that place of judgment where I'll either be sent to heaven or hell. I don't have a peace about my relationship with God And I want to have that peace. I want to know that Jesus Christ is in my life. And I want to give up all authority of my life. I want to give up all control today to Him as my Lord and Savior. And be forgiven of all my sins. And make today a new day. You're here today. That's you. Just raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything weird. But I just want to pray with you today. That's you. Just amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah, Lord God. Worship you, O God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. You raised your hand and you really meant it, and that's your heart. The Bible says "If the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. If we would confess with our heart and our mouth, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we'll be saved. It's simply a confession of this. Not something that the pastor says that you pray, but something you say in your heart and believe. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You believe He died on the cross for your sins and the sins of the whole world, that His work is enough. Nothing you can do can get you to heaven except for His cross, His blood. That He died, that He rose again on the third day, and He filled His church with the Holy Spirit, and He's coming back again for His spotless bride who would worship Him in holiness. And if you believe that, the Bible says you are saved. Now we are to go out from this place confessing that belief to the world. And I'm gonna pray over you, those who just raised your hand maybe.